everybody. It's Basic Snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And today we are discussing chapter 15 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. High Inquisitor. Not high in the good way. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I worked last night. Yeah, she worked from what, 9 p.m. until 9 a.m. or something? 11. Because it's better. I mean, it's two less hours. <laughs> it's all good. It's it's like the equivalent of being drunk, I guess. Okay. Right? I don't know. Well, I'm not funny when I'm drunk or tired, so, you know, this is just what you get. Friday night, I usually, is that's my big night to get nice and stoned. And apparently he got so stoned that yesterday, when myself and Stephanie, y'all know her, and a whole bunch of other hoes went to the Christmas Connection... I was still a little bit high, and I feel like it was a similar sensation. It felt very sleepy and very out of it. And so when I got home, I was freaking exhausted, and I went to bed at like 10. I was in bed before you started work. (laughs) Not to brag. So both Tara and I are a little bit out of sorts, I think. I don't know that I am ever in sorts, but I appreciate (laughs) you implying that I could be. You could be. Unlikely, but again, I appreciate that. (laughs) If you make some a few changes in your life, you probably could be. Quitting my job. Like quitting your job. Like finding a job that doesn't make you live like a nomad. Oh. Just a few observations. <laughs> well, when I try to find a new place next year, hopefully it will be closer. I just am like, here I am. This is what my life is. It's fine. Before we jump into this week's chapter, we have to acknowledge our patrons. And we have a new patron! So we have our first seven patron members. If you recall, we had said that whoever becomes our seventh patron would be our seventh person to receive a little bit of Basic Snitches merch. That does not necessarily mean that anybody who is our eighth, ninth, tenth, etc. won't receive something. We just need to figure out what that is. Um, Because we appreciate you all. We want you to continue to support us, obviously. And we want to give you good content and thank you for your support. So, welcome to the Basic Snitches Patreon family, Layla. We, of course, also have Nisi, Brittany, Olivia, Mary Beth, Ashley, and Brian. So thank you to our seven patrons. You can be added to this list for the low price of $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash basic snitches. You'll get exclusive content every single week that only our patrons will hear, and you'll be recognized in every single episode. And hopefully also get some little token of our appreciation once we figure out what that is. This week, we are coming off of a month-long break, so Tara and I do have a little bit of a life update to let you all know what we've been up to. Before we actually get into the rest of the episode, though, I do have a little bit of an update and sort of a little bit of a correction from something that we've said on past episodes. When Layla just signed up for our Patreon, she said that she's currently on the Tremaine episode, and we use the term guidance counselor. She then goes on to say that while that term is still unfortunately common, it isn't what our field prefers to use anymore. We use professional school counselor or more simply just school counselor. Our field has grown immensely since that term was created, and unfortunately, guidance counselor has the negative connotations of mainly doing career, college, paperwork, but we do so much more than that. We are trained counselors who help with mental health issues. Thank you so much for that insight, Layla. We always want to make sure that we are representing things correctly on this podcast. 
And especially under a theme such as mental health that we talk about so often. So we do want to make that correction. And moving forward, we will be sure to refer to that occupation as school counselor whenever it does come up. Because let's be honest, Hogwarts still needs those school counselors very, very much. So thanks again, Layla. Welcome to the family. And you too can join Layla and the rest. Just sign up for our Patreon. Now on with the rest of the episode. This chapter, I wrote a thing. I'll do winner and loser of the chapter before real quick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> real quick. That's what happens first. Right? I'm, what was the name? I'm glad sorry. you said it, because otherwise oh, I yes. like... The chapter before is called Percy and Padfoot. The winner of the chapter, who do you think it is? Oh, it's been a month. Um, That's okay. If you don't have a guess, it's okay. Well, it's. I was going to be like, Padford is the winner and Percy is the loser, but Padford was a bitch in that too. So let's just throw out Harry. Ron. Okay, good. Ron, you know what? That seems correct. This book, it, Ron continues to delight. Ron, Hermione had a good chapter as well, but I really just like to point out that Ron gets loyalty. He just gets it. And he contrasts really well with the loser of the chapter, who is not Percy. Is it, serious. It is serious, yeah. Fucking serious and his like moody. Percy would have lost the chapter, but then Sirius came along and was being all like, Ooh, but doing something dangerous would have been cool for your dad. Don't. The world's about to fucking explode and everyone's about to battle and this is a child. And this is bullshit. Don't this say this to him. It's not time to be like, oh, you, you should years. be more like your dad and just because also like Harry's parents died to help defeat Voldemort and I don't think James would have been as reckless as serious things. I kind of don't either. In this situation, if they were in this exact same situation, I don't think James would have been that reckless. I think he would have been more reckless than Harry is, but I don't think he would have been to the level that Sirius well, would have expected think, him. Let's say that he came back from the dead. <laughs> I think he probably would have been just as, if not more, cautious because he's yeah. like, well, I died already and I see some right. signs here. They grew up quickly. They had to. They had a child and there was a wizarding world war going on yeah still think Sirius loses that chapter because he was being a dick yeah yeah that's why I said well I would have said Padfoot but I know that Padfoot was a bitch so you wrote a thing I did I'm gonna read it the name of this thing is chapter 15 the Hogwarts High Inquisitor which is the same name as the chapter yep I usually name my things the name of the chapter I guess so do I <laughs> <laughs> Also, you name yours October 6, 2000. You can eat 5,000 dicks. I'm sure no, you're No, no thanks. Are you hungry? No. Good, because I, I don't have coffee. any dicks for you to eat anyways. <laughs> they open the Daily Prophet to some super bad news the next day. Pink Bitch has begun her quest to take over Hogwarts. Step one, get a really stupid sounding title guaranteed to make people who already hate you hate you even more. Nobody who isn't a piece of shit is happy about this, except Ron who tries to find the silver lining and imagines how McGo will inevitably destroy the cotton candy contagion when she bitch dares to inspect her class. They go to History of Magic, then to Potions, where Snape continues on his bullshit of being thoroughly unencouraging to his students. Then they go to lunch, where they discuss the grading skill for owls with Fred and George. Then, when Ron and Harry go to Divination, they get to see the pink troll inspect Trelawney. Needless to say, things don't go very well for Trelawney. <laughs> Moving into the defense... I need to take a breath. Oh my god. 
Moving into Defense Against the Dark Arts, things don't go well for Hermione either when she challenges the author of their textbook and tries to stand up for herself against Trollbitch. She loses five points for Gryffindor and Harry earns himself more detention while trying to stick up for her. And also bringing up that really weird time that one of their data teachers had Voldy hanging out on the back of his head. Nobody is happy with Harry for getting more detention, especially Angelina and Mika. Ron gets his wish and Umbitch, which is a great name, I think that's probably her new name, Umbitch inspects McGut in Transfiguration. Gwen McGut positively owns that bitch and seals the whole perfect lesson with a beautiful bit of sarcasm. God, what a fucking queen! Pinkasaurus Wreck, that's another good one. You're welcome. Good job. Also inspects Grubbly Plank, or more accurately interrogates the poor woman about Hagrid while she's just trying to do her fucking job. Harry earns even more detention. After his detention that night, Harry is ambushed by Hermione about an idea she has to have Harry teach them defense against the dark arts. The end. That wasn't very long, but it felt very long <coughs> because apparently I couldn't read. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm going to edit out of there, but my screen was very bright and I'm very tired and also I'm very angry. The cats destroyed a thing this morning. I woke up and found ceramic all over my kitchen and I'm still pissed. So that's my excuse. And the screen was very bright. <laughs> but my thing was good. Yeah, the, the thing was lovely. Well done. I had a really good time coming up with the things to call her. I like it. So what happens in the beginning of this chapter? They read the long-ass newspaper article in which people we don't fucking like talk about how great Umbridge is. And it's stupid and I hate them all. Yeah, exactly. Lucius is in there. Mm -hmm. Fudge Packer is in there. Percy's in there. Percy's in there. Percy, what the fuck do you know? Get out. He's brainwashed by fucking Fudge Packer. <laughs> fucking, fucking Fudge Packer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something from a Christmas movie. <gasps> There's my BFF. The one you know for sure didn't break it because he yeah, can't get his fat ass up there. the fucking thing would have been <laughs> off the wall. Honestly, this is nothing new with the Daily Prophet. One of the big things that popped out to me as, like, a step too far because, again, like, grading on a scale, if you will, a lot of this is stuff that we have already known about them, is when they call Moody delusional. I'm like, okay, that's libel. I don't think there's ever been an instance where Moody is delusional, and if you're going based off of when he's Marty, Marty Crutch Jr., that was a, a different situation. So that one I wrote down. It's all of that. And I will say that I we we're introduced to two characters by name who I decide that I like. Uh, me too. Gr Grisabella Marksbanks. Yeah, that bitch. Gr Griselda. Not Griselda. Griselda Marksbanks. And uh, Tiberius Ogden. Yes. Which Ogden... Is a name that we will hear in book six. Oh, it is? Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to be like, Ogden Nash is the name of a writer from the past. Because <laughs> that's what I thought of when I saw that name. Oh. Yeah, no. That is a name that, not this person, but the name Ogden. Well, you'll recognize it when it comes up in All right. book well, six. A little bit of foreshadowing to look forward to. They specifically mention two names of people who left the Wizigamot purely because of this. Based on the Daily Prophet and how they write, that's not something a newspaper necessarily should do. Yeah. Because then they're like, well, uh, here's a list of all the shit about these terrible people. 
Because they must be terrible people if they oh, disagree yeah. with us. Yeah, one of them has like some underground dealings with goblins or whatever. Yeah. And it's That's like, smart, okay, thanks. and how much is that true? Normal day for the Daily Prophet. I, right, it really is. I feel like the three of them are reading it like, well, this was to be expected. Yeah. But Ron is like, oh yeah. And they're like, the fuck is wrong with you? This is terrible. And he's like, nah. McGonagall going to take this bitch down. Like, I just love that Ron is ready for that. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah, and Ron is, like, on top of thinking of, like, hey, this is going to shake some things up. I think that's what it gets down to. Like, of course, he's looking for the silver lining, which is lovely, because Ron in this book is just wowing me. But I think, like, it's good to just realize that it's going to shake things up, that this is going to kind of change how things are and, and everything. Which is realistic, you know, it's a realistic way to look at it and potentially change things up for the better. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, the pandemic is hopefully continuing to fizzle out and everything, but it's changed up some things that I hope will continue to, like, make things better, you know? Change is never easy, it's always going to be rocky, it's always going to be up and down, but at the end of the day, like, hopefully some things happen to improve some things. Right. I'm obviously really uh, reading into what Ron, <laughs> Ron's reaction is, but I don't know. That's just. A, I mean, that's what it, it's, it's it. fair to like have that thought. This chapter is interesting because we literally see them go through the majority of their classes in this chapter to either have Umbridge there to inspect the class or to mention that she will. But also, we still get to see Snape. Snape. Yes. To me, uh, once again, it's very similar to the Daily Prophet. At this point, it's like, okay, we get it. But at least we sort of see Snape demonstrate his teaching ability. I mean, do we? <laughs> I think we sort of do. Like, there's always tough teachers. He's a douchebag, but he's also a tough teacher. You know, those things can be, can be separated. In this case, they're not. That's kind of how I read it, because it's Snape. We know that Snape is a capable potions master. But he is a bad teacher because he doesn't encourage the students to learn either. He intimidates them. Yeah, I mean, one could say that intimidating is a way of encouraging your students to learn. It's even, like, even as I'm saying that, I'm making a Right. It's, it's like, just a very toxic thing. It's not the best method, but I think that at the very least, we do see... Harry here, like, really paying attention because he's like, I can't fuck this up again. We do. But I don't think that's because Snape is a good teacher. I think that that's Harry being like, I have no other choice. Overall, Harry needs to, and I think he's gradually getting into this, is like, he needs to mind his P's and Q's overall. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, And yes. so this is maybe, like, an inkling towards that because later on we see that he's not making a lot of progress, too. And I get it. We always say, how can you blame him on everything? And Harry is the person who is these books are about. So it's all about him. I don't know. Are there better ways to encourage your students? Absolutely. We already know we're four and a half books in at this point. That he's Snape. trash. Like, it is what it is. It could have been worse in this situation. I think that you said it right when you were like, this is just what we expect from him. Yeah. My it's... biggest frustration with it is that these students are thinking about their careers and like OWL levels, and he's like, I'm not going to accept people into my new class unless you're good. I get that, and that's a totally an understandable way to do it. That means like in Wizarding World, that's cutting them off from certain careers. You can come across and be like, this is what I'm expecting, because that's what he does, and he's very clear about that. Yeah. And that part I respect, 
I will always just struggle so much with how he is so aggressively unkind and unhelpful towards students and he gets to be a teacher. Yes, that is all valid. I do think there's something to be said, like, if somebody isn't making the marks, maybe it is best to cut them off from that career. I struggle with that a little bit because, yes, anybody should be able to do whatever they want, but if you are not getting a certain thing, then it's like, okay, well, maybe let's focus on this over here. Maybe this is a better place to put your energy. Yeah. So there is that. I mean, at the same time, these are still children, and... That's what it do, is. Do we really need to? That's why I struggle with it. Yeah. Because I'm like, when I was a child, uh, not even when I was a child, even through, like, my, at the very least, my, like, sophomore year of college, because I had to retake a math class... At BW, if you got below a C average in, like, one of your core things, you failed it. So I got, like, a C minus in college algebra that I had to wake up, like, for first thing in the morning. So those are multiple things that don't, like, line up well for me. My teacher was rancid. Speaking of terrible teachers, he was somebody who would just, like, face the chalkboard and, like, write and talk at the same time and never turn around and, like, address the students. I was taking statistics in college. That was my math class. Uh Uh-huh. And that is what my professor did for the first week of school, and I went to my advisor and begged to take college algebra instead. She's like, the only opening I have is the night class that takes place at Wadsworth High School. And I was like, well, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? That's right. Whatever. And it's taught by this guy who's, he's an adjunct, but he teaches high school during the day. And I was like, this is the guy I need. Also, night classes are the best. Night class was amazing. And he was the best math teacher I'd ever had in my life. I was so grateful. My experience is very, very similar to yours. So there was this motherfucker, and of course I took the entire class and I ended up not doing well. He was just a horrible, horrible teacher. And when you went to ask him for help, he would always kind of be like, very matter of fact about it. And I'm like, okay, this is not helpful. So I had to retake it at Last Chance Community College, which is right around the corner of me. That's LCCC. <laughs> it's actually Lorain County College. But we call it last, last So much time. hate for LCCC. I went to LCCC and I took it one summer and I got an A minus because the guy would actually like teach you and like interact with you and stuff. The moral of the story is now I'm a math person. Like the majority of what I do at work is math. I analyze advertising, I excel as my baby. Everybody knows that. So the fact that they're this young and they're already, like, thinking about, you know, the path that they're going to take. It's just, like, I mean, because, okay, I'll just bring him up. Neville's clearly been struggling since first year. I promise on my life he has not offered any sort of help to Neville. Yeah. He would rather just be like, fuck this kid. He's not willing to do the teacher thing to help. Like, even later on this year when Harry is taking the Occlumency classes with him, he's like, just tell everyone you're doing remedial potions because everyone would believe it because you're terrible. I'm like, but that should be actually a thing that you should offer to your students. Yeah. An opportunity to learn. Learning potions is part of being a wizard. You know, some of it's less applicable to daily life than others, but, like, potions is very Mm. important. If we're going to talk about different types of, like, witches, for example, there are some that are going to be, like, herbalists. You know, like, so yes, I mean, while you want a well-rounded education, like take Trelawney, for example, there are some people who are going to be more akin to like divination, so on and so forth. 
I just think in Neville's case, at the very least, yes, taking Snape out of the equation, you know, he finds this passion with plants obviously very early, and that's what he runs with. So Neville's an interesting case study, but let's move Moral away of the story Snape. is Snape sucks. Let's move away from him. Shock. We'll talk about him. And now it's time for Trelawney's class. This well, the first they, it's lunchtime, yes, then it's Trelawney. Yes, thank you, because at lunchtime they say the grading scale. Do you have anything specific to say about that? Um, I think it's dumb. I guess I appreciate that they talk about it because... Like, maybe you're wondering what the fuck it's all about, because later on it will be brought up, but we're all, like, you know, grading scale with, like, letters that go in order. Sounds great. Thanks. Yeah. This is a little bit confusing. <laughs> what do I know? Then we get to Trelawney. Before we get too deep into, like, what happens, I have a witchy thing. it kind of shocked me that this was brought up. So they're doing a dream interpretation and she says something along the lines of like, take the letters of the subject and create some like form out of it. Cut up the letters and make a thing, essentially. What they're doing is they're creating sigils. So a sigil is a way to create this sort of charm or image that you can use for protection and manifestation. And essentially the way that you do that is you write down an affirmation. After you write that down, you cross out all repeating letters and vowels. And then you take the rest of those letters and you break it up and try to create some sort of drawing out of them, like a symbol or something. And that's essentially what they're doing here. That is kind of like a textbook way to make a sigil. Everybody does them differently. But I thought it was very, very interesting. That is interesting. Like, that is a specific thing that you don't usually hear about. Like, when you think of, like, witchers and wizards, sure, you think of things like potions and tarot cards and changing a person into a toad, but you don't really think about that. So the fact that they were talking about them just really, like, blew my mind. So that's my little thing on that. But then, that. of course, it's all the shit with Umbridge. Oh this scene goes exactly how you expect it to go. Yes. Umbridge is clearly there trying to make her uneasy. Trelawney is clearly trying her best to not be affected by having the woman in the room. And Harry and Ron are like, ooh, we gotta try to eavesdrop. And it sucks. Yeah. You know, another thing that I just got out of this is, first of all, Umbridge doesn't know anything about divination. This is like the age-old thing that people do when, okay, so like I learned in college palmistry. Mm -hmm. because we're talking a lot about college today apparently it basically was research methods it was for the honors program at bw and essentially we had to write a 50 page paper about how we were going to write our 75 page paper on any topic that we could choose and then we had to like learn this topic through different areas of study so i don't remember specifically what i did but for palmistry you could do like actual palmistry and then you could do like symbolism, like the symbolism of hands and art or something. And you could also do like anatomy. And so you're looking at this like subject area through three different areas of study. That's neither here nor there. Essentially, since then, anytime that I can say, oh, I know how to read palms, people would just like put out their palm. Be like, show me how to do it then. People do that about tarot to an extent. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of disrespectful because it's like, first, I get that there's a lot of phonies out there, but if somebody has a skill, and that's why, like, I am trying to, unless I'm, like, you know, inviting people over my house or offering a free reading or something, 
I want to start to monetize this a little bit. Like, it is a skill, and it does take your energy and everything, doing, like, a, a reading. But Trelawney kind of says something like this. It's like, I can't just, like, do it out of the blue. Like, sometimes you get, like, a reading on someone's energy, and sometimes you don't. Or, like, I'm not going to sit down and automatically, like, read somebody's palm, because that could take, like, a long time. And, frankly, right now I'm really, really rusty. I'm a little bit more like, you know, a tarot bitch. So that's number one. As opposed to me, I'm a tarot bitch. Exactly. With two types of bitches in this world, a tarot bitch and a tarot bitch. And (laughs) you guys have both of them right now. You're welcome. But then the other thing I had to say about this is in the past, in regards to Trelawney, I had said that I think that she has some confidence issues, specifically around divination. She is often like, well, you gotta do, you don't. Which isn't a great thing to to put forward. It's actually very similar to what we were just talking about right. Snape with. But then there's this moment where somebody like comes at her and is like, predict something right now. And she's like, that's not really how it works. And then she kind of tries to collect herself and actually predict something. And of course, this is when she says that you're in grave danger. And she's right, but I wonder if this is her kind of being like, oh shit, somebody is calling me out and it's not really how it works. And here I am this entire time. I've been saying, oh, you have it or you don't, and, like, talking big shit. But that's not how it works, you know? No. I think that you really hit the nail on the head with the calling it out for the disrespect it is. It's very intentional. She is trying to disrespect all of them because she's trying to throw her dick around mm-hmm. is really what she's doing. McGonagall meets it with a, nope, you can't cross me, bitch. And Trelawney is thrown off her stride. Yeah. You know, and that's that doesn't make her not capable of doing her job, but people can be affected like that. Like, she went in there with the intention to be disrespectful and hurtful, and she succeeded. While you're saying that, my other thought was, what's the end goal here? Like, if you are coming in here and trying to throw all these teachers off their game, let's say the end goal in Umbridge's mind is, let's clear this place out and bring in all ministry people. First of all, that's going to bring a fair amount of people out of their normal job into a completely different one Mm -hmm. that they may not be qualified for, which that's, you know, obviously like the magic word in this book is qualified. We've already talked about that multiple times. (laughs) Then what are you doing? You're teaching the students like the basics and then when they get out there into the world, what do you think is going to happen? I've seen multiple things just online in general because there's a lot of things about teaching you know, critical race theory. And teaching is about teaching children how to think, not what to think. And so this is exactly like teach them what to think rather than how to think. So you're going to teach these children all the same basic shit. So when they get out there and they have to do their jobs, they're completely, speaking of unqualified, they're unqualified for it. They don't know how to accurately, you know, navigate being an adult. I mean, she doesn't know how to teach. This is why people go to school to learn how to teach. They don't, like, go to school for English mm. and then say, awesome, now I can be a teacher. Right. Well, first of all, in this chapter, we only see her assess female teachers. Interesting. Cool. And I they're, think, and they're all so very different. Yeah. And another interesting thing about that is she's the first and only female we see as a defense against the dark arts professor. There's an interesting play on women here that I'm sure the author didn't actually think about. They just wrote it that way. 
I think that's an interesting choice. The way she's pitted against each of these women in a different kind of way. She comes down real hard on Trelawney and like overpowers her essentially and is very controlling and very aggressive in the situation. And then she is no fucking match for McGonagall. She comes in there and she's just like, oh, can't do anything with it. And she kind of hits a wall with Grubbly Plank. Mm-hmm. I feel like she thinks that that's where she's going to get her info. She can get her yeah. her deets on what's going on with Hagrid. And Grubbly Plank's like, bitch, I got a job to do. Are you going to ask me a question that's important? It's a very interesting contrast to how we see her with each of these professors. Yeah. And also the way that Harry and, I mean, Hermione's not in divination, but we'll say Harry around Hermione in general how invested they are and how that goes. And obviously in Magical Creatures, they're definitely invested because they're like, what's this bitch going to be saying about Hagrid? Of course, you know, then Harry opens his mouth and he's yeah. on such a fucking roll. He's in this place where he just can't let things go, which is, I'm sure, a very relatable thing. But anyway, that's not, that wasn't my point. But I just thought it was an interesting contrast between the three women and how I like this. we see that. This is a good way to talk through the chapter because we already talked about Trelawney. But mm-hmm. to your point, she's on the unconfident end of the scale. And then, of course, we have... And there's other stuff in the middle here, but we'll get back to it because it's important. But McGonagall, then, is on the complete opposite end of the scale. And it's amazing to agree with the trio. Like, it's finally what Ron had said. Like, oh, we get to see Umbridge not get through to McGonagall because she's a bad bitch. And McGonagall, I think, was prepared for that. McGonagall can tell from day one that this is some bullshit. I mean, I think all the teachers can because none of them like her. You hear the twins talk about how she did that with Flitwick and how clearly Flitwick went very similarly to McGonagall. Or even, like, I could see it going similar to Grubby Plank. Well, especially because he's a man, too. That's true, too. We only get to see her do Snape and then later Hagrid. Yeah. I can't imagine that it looked bad for him. I think... We talk all the time about how, like, Sprout and Flitwick, though we don't spend much time with them, are badass as fuck. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, Grubbly Plank is, like, right in the middle. Like, she's just comes in, she takes it in stride. She this is. is business for things that aren't. One of the most incredible characters in the series that just never gets to have a moment to be kick-ass, but I 100% believe is kick-ass. I feel like this is a moment that kind of allows her to be that way. She's like quietly kick-ass. Yeah, she's just like, I'm here just to do my job. This is what I'm doing. Umbridge recognizes that she's like, you know, capable. Yeah. She starts getting asked about heaven. She's like, eh, it's not really my business. I'm just going to do my job. We ain't gossiping, bye. And in that in itself, I think it's pretty kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Like, I was totally like... I love Grubbly Plank. Yeah, Grubbly Plank. Like, I know, like, when she first came in, I was on the Hagrid train of, like, oh, we love Hagrid. And so I was like, who's this bitch? But then, like, every single time we see her, she grows more and more on me. Oh, she's great. I like that we kind of, like, went through those three in that way. Because the other thing then in here, in the other place where he gets detention, other than in Grubby Plank's class, is is her her class. In the last few chapters, it's been hold your tongue, hold your tongue, be as cooperative as you fucking can. From multiple people. Right. Hermione stands up and she's like, well, I already wrote this book and I disagree with it. That is what kind of drives Harry then. That's the catalyst for this. Exactly. I think if he hadn't jumped to her defense, he may have made it through this class. I'm not blaming Hermione because it's still Harry's choice to do that. They're just so fired up. Now, this is where I do blame Hermione because later on then she's like, well, you should have held your temper. I'm like... 
But Hermione, you also kind of know what's going on. Hermione made the choice to, to stick up. Oh, yeah. And Hermione knows it wasn't going to go well. She knows <laughs> Like, that. who knows Harry better than you? Zero yeah. people. And who also knows, like, how Umbridge is going to react? She's very good at that. She's very good at seeing how people react. I think of, like, in the last book where they took the walk around the lake. When he was fighting with Ron. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... Hermione, it's not fair for you to be like, well, you should have held your temper because you sort of did start it and you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It is Harry's choice. I get it. And Harry could have. (laughs) But was Harry ever gonna? But listen, but Harry's always going to stand up for something that he finds not justified. Exactly. He's always going to do that. You're never going to not see Harry do that, you know? I want to ask a question. Why do you think Hermione was like, I'm coming to this class and I'm going to be aggressive and take battles. I honestly don't know. It's so out of character, I think. I mean, it's in character, but it's also out of character. I wonder if she's trying to test the waters, too. I don't think she's trying to get detention. I don't think she's trying to get in trouble, but I think she wants to see how Umbridge reacts if someone else pushes her. Yeah. And Hermione, I'm not saying she's the only one brave enough and smart enough to do it, but she is the only one that would use it in sort of a strategic way. I feel like she makes this deliberate choice to be like, I have to learn more about how this would go down. And so it's going to be me who, like, bitches at this woman. Obviously, we don't know. But every time I read this chapter, I'm like, man, Hermione, you just, like, flipped a table and you're like, now I'm going to be a bitch. Very interesting. It's super weird. I don't know either. So we kind of talked through all the classes and everything. And so then there's uh, this stuff at the very, very end then. Well, first of all, before anything, these are little tiny details. This is probably not necessarily true, but it feels like Umbridge is stalking the Gryffindors. Oh, God, Again, again, like every single fucking class. I think she wants to be present for Harry. Yeah. Listen, she gives him detention in one of the classes that she observes. There is one moment where he's coming back from detention and his hand is like, Pouring blood. Yeah. And part of me was like, why doesn't he go to Pomfrey? Like, I feel like that might be an interesting next step. I think he doesn't go to Pomfrey for the same reason he doesn't go to McGonagall. Yeah, but I feel like in this instance, at the very least, it's Pomfrey's thing. And he's, my hand is fucking bleeding. Like, I need some help here. Yeah. If that were to happen, I feel like that could maybe take some steps in the right direction. While I feel like she doesn't ask many questions and she lets the students get away with something, this is clear torture. I feel like Pomfrey could not in good conscience keep that from her boss. I know, but I think that it's better for Dumbledore to hear it from Pomfrey. I feel like that is a better like course of action. To one of the kids. Yeah, I guess I agree with that. But again, the decision still has to be made by Harry. And if Harry wasn't willing to go to McGonagall... Like he wasn't going to Pomfrey. He wasn't going to go to Pomfrey, I don't think. I think it would have been a better decision for him to do that. I think so. I think it would have been an interesting process and like how that would have moved the plot. Because the other thing is, like, I kind of feel like Dumbledore is not unaware entirely. Yeah. I mean, Dumbledore I mean, we see how Dumbledore lets shit happen just for the sake of moving everything forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also hate thinking that Dumbledore might know that and is letting that happen, but Dumbledore lets Harry live with his abusive aunt and uncle, so... Yeah, Yeah, okay, there you go. But I don't know. So then, at the very, very end here, this is when they're like, we fucking need to learn shit. First of all, Ron suggests poisoning bridge, which I was like, yes, I like that idea. And then, of course, there is the recommendation for Harry teaching 
Defense Against the Dark Arts. There were two big things here that popped out at the end of the chapter here. First of all, I was like, can you imagine if, and of course, who knows, maybe this is something that happens in the future. Because <laughs> like we see what happens in Cursed Child. He goes and is an horror, but like in his older years, what if he ended up being the professor that taught the defense against the dark arts? I'd like to believe that he does after Albus is done, because I don't think he could teach Albus. Oh, I see what, yeah, Albus, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, Dumbledore's dead, spoiler alert. <laughs> but, like, I don't know, at that point, Lily would probably be in, like, her fourth year or fifth year or something and yeah. be like, no, my dad's a fucking professor here, great. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like she would do better than Albus yeah. because, well, that's the whole fucking plot of Curse of Child. Yeah. I liked that thought. And then he has this whole monologue on page 328. That is honestly exactly why he should teach. And then Hermione sort of is like, yeah, that's exactly why you're the right person. I feel like Harry comes across very obstinate in this chapter. It's all understandable and beautiful. Like, he's not trying to be humble. He's literally just, this is what fucking happened. And if anyone should know, it's these two. (laughs) But neither of them have been with him every step of the way. You know, you know, Harry's done all this great stuff. They've witnessed this. But then there's this other stuff. And Harry is just being honest. The idea of the responsibility, I think, is really the thing that makes him hesitate. You know, he laughs at the idea. He's like, this is a joke, right? Because he doesn't possibly imagine that he could do this. He thinks, oh my god, Lupin, we would all be so lucky to learn more defense from him. But that's not an option. Like, his brain just doesn't go there. And I think it's an interesting thing, the way that this whole scene moves, is that he... Is like, no, this does not make any fucking sense. Like, I couldn't do this. I can't teach people to be lucky, which is literally what he thinks happened. And he's very defensive about Cedric. I find that also to be a very interesting thing because he and Cedric were friends, but they were not close friends. But understanding, like, no one else went through that with the two of them. Yeah, he has to grieve Cedric in a different way. And thinking that even, like, the idea that someone might think that Harry was better than Cedric and that's why he's alive and Cedric is dead is, like, heart-wrenching for Harry. Mm -hmm. And he cannot accept that. I think that he probably fears that people are like, well, it should have been Harry and not Cedric. Yeah. Harry's growth when it comes to putting together this class is incredible. Are you ready for a game? Yes. My game is something that we did on Patreon. Okay. And that is Word Association. Also, I just realized this is our first episode of 2022. Oh, okay. So I know you've been listening for a while now, but welcome to 2022. So Tara did a Word Association on Patreon recently, and it was super fun. It was maybe one of my favorite Patreon exclusives. So if you haven't been on Patreon then go do it. Only seven of you have. We already have our horcruxes, so anybody else is just a bonus. But we like bonuses. That doesn't mean that you're any less valuable than anybody else who is on our Patreon, so continue to subscribe, please. This is kind of a weird version of Word Association, but we're going to walk through the grading scale at Hogwarts. So they're going to be letters, and I want you to come up with the very first word that comes to your mind. It does not need to be the correct word. I just wanted to hear what your grading scale would be based on these letters. Okay. Okay? Sure. Ready? Oh. I don't know why I wanted to say octopus. Good. That's exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for. I, yeah. I know that O is outstanding. That means octopus. 
<laughs> Why do I keep finding you animals? Elephant. Go ahead. <laughs> A. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I thought it was just going to be ah. ah. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. P. <laughs> Pretzel. Okay. <laughs> D. Dick. <laughs> Interesting that you chose dick, but not penis for P. And then T. Trash. <laughs> All right. All right, it's my turn. Do you know them off the top of your head? I'm sure you do. Okay. Oh. I was about to say octopus, and I was like, no, that was yours. That was mine. Oreos. Ooh, that's a good grade. I got an Oreo on mine. Oreos. E. Effective. So the best score is Oreos, and then E is effective. I like it. A. Adam. Because I am acceptable. D. Dix. No, Dix is not. You also said Dix. It's P. Oh, P. Penis. There we go. Okay. D. Dalmatians. <laughs> T. Tara. That's rude. <laughs> that is the lowest grade. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about the fucking movie. What well, Dalmatians. <laughs> I don't know how that came, came about. Oh, that was great, though. So this movie kind of is all over the place. Yes, in this chapter in particular. This this chapter, we get a montage of the... Well, first is the Luna and Harry thing with the festival. So Harry's randomly wandering around the Forbidden Forest and finds Luna, and she's just, like, hanging out with Estrels. That's what they do. Yeah, and he he was like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, let me teach you this thing. Because the movie is not going to have Hagrid give you a lesson about them. Yes. That's exactly what she says. <laughs> I said when we watched it that I liked it. And I think the reason why I like it is because still in the book, you're warming up to Luna. And you had said earlier when you first met Luna, you were kind of like, am I supposed to like this person? Mm-hmm. And I see why. Like, she comes up here and there. And I think by this point, you are kind of like, okay, she's a good person. Like, we know that. But... First of all, you don't see her in all those moments in the movie. Because we um, don't get those moments. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, there's not as many micro moments. So, in order to kind of move it along, I think it's good to have this scene to learn a little bit more about Luna and that she is, like, this pure soul. So that's why I think I like it. And then the only other major thing I have to say about it, other than that, sure, it serves the purpose that Hagrid would have earlier, is that Luna just walks around the woods with uh, raw meat in her pockets. And that is very unsafe. (laughs) It's very Luna. You know, my only frustration with the scene is that it's something that is added in that makes me go, but we could have had other things, blah, blah, blah. That being said, what the scene does is it does a really nice job of giving us information that we would like to have in the movie that is dispersed kind of throughout this book about Luna, about Thestrals. You get to hear why Luna can see the Thestrals, which is very interesting because we've had Neville since the first movie. I mean, we learn about his parents in a terrible... It's not very well done in this movie. At all. At all. Neville can see Thestrals too, and they just chose to not put that in the movie at all. He saw his grandfather die. I think he was about the same age as Luna was when she saw her mother die. That's an interesting choice to be like, we're going to make sure that we know, that the world knows why Luna can see Thestrals or whatever. 
But they don't actually say in the scene, you can see them because you've seen death. So that's also like a choice that was made putting this movie together. And if I'm wrong, please let me know. But I do not recall any point in this movie where it's explained that the reason why Harry and Luna can see them is because they have seen people die. I guess if you really thought about it, you could come to the conclusion because Harry saw Cedric die and now he can see them. And Luna said she saw her mother die. I suppose, but I feel like in a series where it is quote unquote dumbed down, because that's the only thing I can think of right now, for a mainstream audience. Wouldn't you want to, like, feed them that? You know? But they're too busy having Luna feed raw meat to them. Yes, because so that, that, that baby Cecil was like, this apple, get this out of my fucking face. Right, he's like, I ain't in that apple. Meanwhile, there's a hippogriff nearby who's like, I want that apple. Yeah, seriously. Poor hippogriff. Actually, they like ferret, I guess. I guess, but I'm sure it would eat that apple. It does, hippogriffs don't seem to really... I feel like hippogriffs would eat anything. Yeah. So, yeah, it is kind of weird that they choose this moment to do, like, an inference thing. Yeah, I mean, it could have been better. I like the scene as a whole, I think, for Luna in particular. Oh, God, I do too. And we've already talked about how great Ivana Lynch is oh, at yes. just embodying the character. And we need to have these moments because we need to be on Team Luna. Yeah. And we have a whole giant ass book to be on team luna here and here we've got a two and a half hour movie in which we also have to worry about the fact that this is actually about harry yeah now this whole umbridge thing of course it starts off with the amazing face-off between umbridge and mcgonagall first of all you know that they choreographed that because they step up they step up oh it's so good there's the moment where maggie smith steps down now this is obviously different because mcgonagall is taking a different stance and is confronting Umbridge for basically what has happened. So yeah, this is something else that is not at all in the book. Yeah. It's a beautiful addition. This is actually one of the most striking scenes in the entire movie series. Now, this is why I think it's here. Because, not just because it's this great moment for these two actresses. I think, (laughs) contrary to what I already said, if this is a mainstream audience watching this and Harry's hand is bleeding... And they aren't, like, as into the nuances that happen in the book. You need somebody to confront her about. She needs to be called out. Yeah. And who best. So I think that's why it was entered. And then they also use it as a catalyst for becoming Inquisitor Bitch. Yes. All of those things. Mm -hmm. Also, it is not until, I think, the second person in this book that is mentioned who does the detention with the whatever the fuck he had to write. I want to say it's Lee Jordan. We'll get there in the book. There's a scene in here with Fred and George, it's later on in the movie, comforting, I think it's the little Nigel kid who has, his hand is cut. Mm. So in the movie, I think we're establishing that she's doing this and it's not just about Harry. Whereas in the book, I think that it's really, she's focusing so much on Harry So that's an interesting thing, too. But I think that you're right that they made the right choice to call her out on it. We have, again, a giant-ass book to get through to acknowledge it as far as adults and all of that. And there's just so much shit that's about to go down because we're halfway through the book, if that. That being said, though, it is such a stunning scene. Yeah. The montage that follows it is so cool. 
It's exactly what that needs to be, I think. For a movie, yeah. Because there's, there's things with, like, the newspaper coming in, and there's this moment where you see Fudge, Packer, and Percy, and then they go through all these moments with some of the teachers. Like, obviously there is Trelawney. There isn't as much of Trelawney, which I think is the, sort of the big one. And then another thing that is earlier that we'll get to later is the whole thing with Trelawney getting kicked out, which we'll talk yeah. about that one for sure later. And her observing Snape is later in the book, too. Yeah. But it's in the montage here, which I think is perfectly fine. I think it's fine, It's too. also just super great because it's like Alan Rickman doing the obviously. Yeah. Like, uh. Yeah. When we were watching it, I did make a comment of, in order to avoid this whole umbrage thing, what if Dumbledore just had been like, Snape, you can be defense against dark arts and then try to get Slughorn, but then you had said, you know, then he wouldn't have had Snape because the position is cursed. So, I don't know, just food for thought there. There is a little moment with Flitwick. Oh my god, where she, like, pulls out the fucking tape measure. Like, uh, what does that matter, you That is asshole? rude. That like, is so rude. And also, Flitwick is just so charming. He's like, yeah, look what I'm doing. I'm... Uh, he's so charming. Oh, Flitwick is charming. But I really, I'm like, oh, I love Flitwick. And then she'd be in a bitch and she'd be like, you a short bitch. Yeah. And that's rude. And he turns around and is like, you a fuck bitch. <laughs> He's like, I fucking hate you. Is there any other moment where there's Snape, there's Flitwick, there's Trelawney. Obviously we don't get McGonagall. I think the face off is fine as is. That's kind of like a replacement of that. Well, I think the most important inspections she does are Trelawney and then later Hagrid. Mm-hmm. So like the other ones are just kind of icing on the cake, like Ron getting his wish of getting to see McGonagall. Yeah. You know, and whatever. Like that's fine in the book. Yeah. The end of this chapter does kind of bleed into the next one. I think it makes more sense to talk more about well, it. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Hermione being like, we gotta do this shit. One, because Emma Watson in this movie is not my favorite thing. Yeah. She's just not fantastic. I agree. That being said, I think a lot of it is her fucking dialogue. Like, they give her some real awkward dialogue that just doesn't work well. One of the other moments and it happened in the Gryffindor common room too is when you had said we have to tell somebody about this. And then he's like, no. And she says something very similar. Like, you've got to tell someone about this. And Harry's like, I said no, bitch. Like, it's very odd. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I agree 10,000%. And yeah, same sort of thing here. You know, the firehead conversation happens here with... Yeah. It's serious is like, I mean, like, since we just, that was the last chapter we did. Serious is not a douchebag. Yeah. In he just kind of comes conversation. in and is like, Voldemort's on the move. And he comes like, in and he's not he? helpful either. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm. And then he's like, gotta go. I appreciate the very least that he isn't a douchebag. And that, of course, the graphics are updated, which Brian had mentioned when he was here last. I'm like, oh my god, look, there's his face. Yeah, and that does then transition into her being like, we've got to do something. I don't know, like, there are some good moments here for sure. There is some real strong consolidation I with this that, chapter, with this section of the movie. I think some of the things chapter, do the feel thing. rushed. I mean, to your point, and it's because we were just talking about it, some of Hermione stuff feels a little bit rushed. The whole, like, you should teach data, that's yeah. a little bit rushed. I think that it's key what you said. Of course, that isn't here in the book, but the whole Luna scene and, like, some of the shortcomings there. There's definitely flaws here, but... A lot of them are kind of made up by some really strong things that happen here that do make sense for a larger audience, so. Plus 20 to McGonagall and Grubbly Plank. I mean, do I need to say anything? No. Obvious. Please. Very amazing. 
Plus 10 to Griselda Marchbanks and Tiberius Ogden. Yes. <laughs> so That's when you mentioned that, I was like, yes, yes, I agree with that. Plus 5 to Ron for recommending that we poison Umbridge. Solid idea. Before I get into negative points, I will say I was going to take points away from Hermione for speaking up in Umbridge's class because I'm like, Hermione, Harry wouldn't have done anything if it were for you. And then she says something about it later. I'm like, that's unfair. Yeah. But she does, at the end, this whole thing about, like, this is why you need to teach us, like, completely erases that. So. Oh, yeah. She kicks ass at the end of it. Yeah. So I've been doing this where I'm like, this isn't cool, but. It's now okay. you get a warning. Hermione just you get a warning. Hermione gets a warning. This, like, canceled it out. Yes. Negative 20 to Percy and Fudge because of mostly that fucking article and stuff. But, like, fucking obviously, article. you know, I could have taken away from Lucius. I could have taken it from Draco multiple times. I probably even could have taken away from Snape. I don't. I just chalk it up to, like, this is who they are. We get it. But I do take 30 away from Umbridge. Only 30. Only 30. She's done worse. And she will continue to do worse. She is at the very bottom already of this. She's the worst. Yes. In contrary to that, next time we're going to be discussing a chapter that I find to be my favorite chapter so far in this book. Oh. Maybe. Chapter 16? Yeah, yes, which is called... In the Hog's Head. It is called In the Hog's Head. I was just going to say The Hog's Head, but you're right. It's In the Hog's Head. I like this next chapter... I think it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a break from all of this. So <laughs> this was a meaty episode. First one back after a long break. Yeah. Enjoy friends. Exactly. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!